Welcome to Verging on Greatness, a podcast about films that verge on greatness, but mostly just wallow in mediocrity, with your hosts, Mike Porkfeld and Craig Saventi. Yeah! Yeah! Hello! Welcome! This is a podcast called Verging on Greatness! Verging on Greatness! Mike and my friend Craig. Hi, Craig! Hey, Mike! We talk about movies that are not quite great. They're almost great. They're pretty good, but there's something not quite right. And Sometimes they're just what hot garbage, is. though. Occasionally yeah. they're garbage. Uh, but not today. Today we're yeah. doing a movie that is it's pretty decent. Now, I'm pleased to be doing this movie. This is one of the first movies um, that I thought of. And I can't believe it's taken us 30 movies to do it but this is one of the first movies that i thought of when i was thinking of when um we first came up with this concept together because this movie is it's it's kind of it's been in my mind for uh since i saw it. i saw it when it came out um it's panic room 2002 uh, yeah um and it's it's always lingered with me as a man that there was something not that movie was good but there was something something not quite right about it so i'm I'm excited. So yeah, obviously today we are doing 2002's Panic Room. Yeah, by David um, Fincher. David Fincher, yeah. And so I, I uh, uh, as someone, you know, was a big fan of cinema in the mid to late '90s. Um, big David Fincher fan. Um, Seven, Fight Club, uh, The Game, Alien Three, Alien Three, which we've done on the podcast. <laughs> Uh, before um, loved David Fincher was stoked that he had a new movie out um, yeah. very excited to go and see it and um, yeah just remember remember something not quite clicking and I've always wanted to go back and, and try and figure out figure out what was not quite right because there's so much so much good stuff about this movie yeah David, David Fincher is a, a fairly fantastic director um, I mean gosh I don't really think he's made a real step wrong in any film that he's done really um i mean all of his films are pretty freaking solid oh yeah even yeah even the the tv show stuff that he does like he's he's responsible for mindhunter on netflix which is amazing um zodiac gone girl gosh house of cards he's he's had a hand in house of cards him and netflix have clearly had a um, a fairly decent relationship hmm. um yeah, yeah, he's he's, solid a, he's a really solid director. Yeah, um, it's, uh, Jodie Foster is in this, and a yes. young a young uh, uh, Kristen Stewart. Case Stew, yeah, Kristen Stewart Case is in Stew. this. So she's yeah. playing an eleven year old. I don't know how old she's actually was when when this shot. Um, mm. But it's yeah, it's it's one of her. Is she meant to be eleven? It's pretty early. Yeah, she's meant to be eleven. Well, she's born in 1990, so yeah, she was 12 or 13 when she was when this. Oh, she was 11, definitely 11 when this movie was being made. No, yeah. no, she's not. 1990. She's. Oh no. Oh, I'm right. My math sucks. The tracks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 1990 uh, is 30, 30 um, years ago, Craig. 30 oh years. 30 years ago. 1990. So old. <laughs> Um, yeah, so she was young when this film came out. Yeah. Um, uh, so Jared Leto is in this. Um, big, Forrest Whitaker uh, and the Forrest Whitaker Eye is in this. Yeah. 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 
And Dwight Yoakam. Dwight Yoakam is great. Yeah, so it's um, small small cast. It's it's a kind of you know a single location thriller uh, mm-hmm. set set in a house specifically in the panic room of yep. this house in uh, in New York. Yes. Um, and yeah, it's, <laughs> near it's, the park. <laughs> <laughs> I. I my immediate issue with this movie is it's about rich people so rich people problems so (laughs) (laughs) it's yeah you um i mean yeah the moment you the moment they walk up to to this house and you realize she's she's looking at this house and they open the door and it's and it's in new york and i live on the other side of the world i live in i live in auckland new zealand yeah um but i've i've been to new york and and just just looking at it i know enough that i know that this is a crazy expensive yeah. house. Yeah, 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 she she's not struggling to put food on the table. That's so that's bonkers money. Yeah. Um, and, and, so, and it, it becomes apparently apparent really early on. Oh, before we get started, obviously um, spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen this film that came out in two thousand and two. Uh, as of recording this, it's two thousand and twenty, and the world's been on lockdown. I imagine everyone has watched every movie possible that's worthwhile watching um in the last in the last three months so uh yeah yeah if you if you haven't seen this film we're going to spoil the shit out of it so yeah um so uh jodie foster um character's name is meg and she and her daughter case Stew, uh sarah they mm-hmm. are they're, they're getting shown around this beautiful new york um house yep upper west side it's, house it's it's got what about four floors yeah it's huge there's uh, two enormous. of them <laughs> two of these people in a place you could fit like five apartments yeah but yeah there's two of them enormous yeah. house i don't know what they are doing no matter how wealthy you are i don't know why a single person and their only child feel the need to buy a house mm. with five did i say four five four there's 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 a basement there's a a, yeah there's at least three or four floors so it's a big building and it's there's there's a lot of kind of as it's as you'd expect with a whole movie crammed into one house there's a a lot of into into floor into floral no that's not right into floor um kind of sweeping uh camera shots crane shots where the camera's going up and down and spinning around and and kind of a there's lot of a lot the, of there's a lot, a lot of, of really good special there's a lot of really good special effects to um to get the camera going between floors or there's long continuous tracking shots where it's where much of what you see on screen is not actually there yeah. and um, they're just tracking this camera through a digital space and all of that like considering this film came out in 2002 uh, some of those special effects are so seamless that it's pretty hard to pull them apart today hmm. so um yeah it's yeah, there's a lot of like beautiful david fincher sweeping shots and and con- tracking shots that are really solid it's yeah. an ex- expertly put together film so yeah. So the whole the whole for entire first eight minutes is just meeting the house, being introduced introduced to the house, introduced to the set of this of this film in the form of um, Meg and Sarah being shown through the house by their by their real estate agent. Mm. Um, it, so being you, introduced to the uh, to the to the to the characters, and I was just thinking while you're yeah. saying that 
um, that this the house is an is an of itself a character in its own right. So yeah, um, yeah. it's yeah, and it's I don't know if they actually if they specifically I don't think there's a line where that they specifically say this house has real character, but you certainly get that <laughs> get that sense that that's that's what they are trying to establish. And so yeah, yeah it's it's a, it's an eccentric house. It's got a, it's got its own elevator. Um, because the the former owner um, was uh, um, had some know, kind of an invalid invalid towards yeah. the end of his life, and so he had an elevator yeah. put in so that he could get between the floors of this house. Also, and super convenient to the plot that it has. An incredibly elevator. useful um, to the plot, and also there's a panic room naturally. Um, so there's there's some lingering lingering interest in this in this panic room, um, and. Um, this this is actually the start of the movie is one of the parts that I, I like the most because I really 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 love the way that um, they establish the relationship between Sarah and Meg, particularly that she is she is on that on that cusp of childhood and adulthood the way that they the way that they walk that line um, where she's she's scootering around this house and she's getting told off for scootering around around the house like she does she's got she's got child childlike obvious childlike qualities but then they buy the house um they're they're moving in and they're having their first dinner and they're having um they're having pizza and she's having a coke and her mum tells her not to have any more coke um and then they kind of they share a quiet moment and then um sarah says fuck him and fuck her too (laughs) <laughs> and and, yeah. and meg just kind of nods like yeah you that's exactly what i was thinking obviously hearkening to her ex-husband and his new lover um b model yeah. someone describes her as yeah but that um th- there's this this adulthood this adultness of of um of sarah that she she just she says exactly what Meg is thinking, and she she like she's just stopped her drinking too much coke, and she's just perfectly summed up her mother's emotional situation. Yeah, and then she says, "Go ahead and have some more coke," and um, she pours she fills up the glass, pours yeah. pours some more coke, and she's she's throwing back her wine, um, but then later on she's putting it to bed. She tucks her in her bed, and she says, "It's too dark. She wants a light on." Um, oh yeah, it is. It's abs- absolutely beautiful sequence of insights into their into their relationship and particularly into sarah the daughter and where where she is in her progression to adulthood that yeah she's she's partly a kid she's partly an adult but she's still mostly a kid Mm -hmm. it's 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 i think one of my favorite parts of this parts of this movie the way that they introduce introduce the age that age that sarah is and how she's she's got her feet so firmly in those two in those two camps mm. i'd say this is um i'd say this this showcases that kirsten stewart is actually a, a fairly decent actress as well like um she cops a lot of shit for being in the twilight films as well she should um but uh, ultimately she's she's a decent actress and I, and she's a decent actress in this and she's I mean, she's fine she's she's 11 yeah she's 11 i mean yeah she's no <laughs> Haley joe Olsma, but, <laughs> but but she's good yeah um and jodie foster is good in this too like 
two-time Academy Award-winning Jodie Foster. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, we got a lot to say about Jodie Foster in this movie and her we character, do. and I think because <laughs> I, th- I think that's where that's where the bones of this episode is going to hinge. It's going to hinge mm. on Jodie Foster, but well, let's get to that later. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah. Her her performance. Yeah, you can't as usual with Jodie Foster. Tough to fault. It's it's tough to fault Jodie Foster in general. There's not much that Jodie Foster ever does that you can really criticize her for. Maybe her continued friendship with Mel Gibson, but um, but yeah, ultimately Jodie Foster is pretty much beyond reproach, really. Mm. Um, but yeah, um, well, should we tell, shall we shall we tell the people a little bit about what this movie is about and, and how it all pieces together? Yeah, so they're spending their first night in this in this house, um, and uh, from from outside, you've got some some intruders uh, are breaking in. So, uh, yeah, home invaders. Uh, home invaders it's their first night in the house which it feels a little odd but you soon you soon figure out that they these intruders are not expecting the house to be occupied they are that's right they're They're expecting expecting it to be empty to be empty so the first you know the there's there's about a five minute conversation between them where they're debating whether or not they want to go go ahead with this job um as jared leto has um screwed up his calculations on how long a house remains in escrow um, and it's, it's, it's business days versus actual days. days. Um, <laughs> versus <laughs> business days. <laughs> but I of, mean, that kind of, that sums up that character to a T though, right? He's, that he's is just really a good. Up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, he's it's just it's a really good. Up. Yeah. You've, you've instantly learned everything you need to know about, about his character. He is, he is just a, just a fucker. He's um, a, he's a pretty boy. He's a pretty white boy with cornrows in his hair. Um, and it's clear that he, uh, from the, he's clearly got a drug problem of some yeah. description. The the film does a really good job of like telling you who these characters are or showing you who these characters are without like having like really awkward. I mean, the writing alone from David Coep um, is really really excellent. Um, a lot of show not tell. Yep. A lot of um, natural exposition. The, the way the characters respond to the situation tell you everything you need to know about the character. Um, there's no there's no awkward moment like where you know someone turns to the, to the screen and sort of gives an gives a monologue about you know their time in Nam or whatever and it's like good 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 job movie mm. like be smart about how you tell mm. us about these characters. Um, yeah and just just even down to the like the design and the costuming um, like clearly. Um, Clearly, uh, Burnham, played by Forrest Whitaker, is is blue collar. He says with air quotes. He's yeah. literally in a blue jumpsuit, um, so you know he's a working man. And and um, and in Dwight Yoakam, who spends most of this film with a balaclava on, um, just being this menacing presence in the corner. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, the the whole film does a, a phenomenal job of setting up those three villainous characters junior raul and burnham um just just yeah. really good filmmaking and their 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 dynamic is almost more engaging than the meg and sarah uh dynamic and the and the relationship between these two sides the, th- oh, the, the three of them are absolutely compelling the 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 uh, mysterious um psychopath the earnest in Raul, yeah, yeah. The, the earnest blue collar guy is just trying to get some money that so he can pay his alimony, 
Yeah. And and the young the young fuck up. Yeah. Like the privileged young fuck up who thinks thinks that he is competent and nobody like it doesn't it just hasn't sunk in the number of yeah. all of the evidence to the contrary has has not gotten through. He's still convinced that he is he is awesome and things are gonna work out for him. Yeah. And that he deserves yeah. it. Well, he, he is the very doesn't. he is the very definition of white privilege right he's just he doesn't realize that everything in his life that's gone gone his way is because of his station and yeah. life and it's, and his own ability has had nothing to do with that so whereas the other two are clearly self-made yeah um and yeah. the only reason they're there is because of hard work smarts grit determination you know the classics but yeah, yeah it's, it's a good job so naturally they decide to go ahead with the job and as naturally. as they are and the job involves getting to the panic room which is where the, the former owner of this house hid hid a bunch of money um yeah and so they but they need to attempt to do this while uh meg and sarah stay asleep which obviously they don't meg's meg's having trouble getting to sleep and she eventually spots them she goes up gets sarah uses the elevator yeah. uses the elevator to get down and then get back to the floor where the panic room is and they and they rush to the panic room but naturally because it's their first night they haven't set it up properly they don't know how to use it quite right so they they can't phone out so they are stuck That's in this, right. they are stuck in this panic room with no way to alert anyone else and yeah. they um they have cameras in every other room of the house they can see everything that's going on in the house um and they can communicate out via a PA, but the yep. the people without cannot communicate in. Um, and and so there, from that point on, that's about that's your that's your first first turning point. That's the end of your first yep. act, and that's then you know everything about how the rest of the movie is going to play out. That's how mm-hmm. they need these three guys need to get in. These two need to get women out. Need to get out. Um, yeah. How, and then how, so, do you, how, yeah. do you, how are you going to resolve how do you this? resolve that yeah. um, i'll tell you how you resolve that <laughs> <laughs> you shoot some folk um yeah so it rapidly goes downhill from there um so it's made abundantly clear that uh neither meg meg or sarah are walking away from the situation it's very likely that they're um raul is 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 clearly um uh quite capable of killing people which we discover fairly shortly thereafter which is um uh junior tells them or or fucks up again and tells them that there's a lot more money on offer here than they were originally led to believe yeah raises the stakes um, he raises the stakes um and then he basically just kind of peace outs and goes well fuck it i'll just make an anonymous call to the police on monday uh tell them about the the money in the safe and then i'll just take my cut of the inheritance with the rest of the family so he's clearly just trying to cut the rest of the family out of this money um we find out that the previous owner has the will is being contested a lot of really smart filmmaking like we find out through bits of conversation about the previous owner that there's a large family the will's being contested la di la da rich people hmm. problems and um details and, and details that seem extraneous at the time turn <laughs> out to be pretty important clue, key plot points key plot points it's a bit like in a movie where they talk about in the opening act about a power plant and how it's just opened you you know damn well that in the third act that the, the climax is going to happen at the yeah. power plant but, yeah, yeah there's no there's no there's no guns left on left on walls in no this, in this movie yeah so um, yeah everything is everything is pulled off um 
So yeah, so we find we also find out that Sarah's um, diabetic, um, and that mm. that's that's a major complication. Which you actually you actually get so you get that when she's going to bed because she's got a fridge by her bed with yeah with medicine in it. So you you, you do get that in a little um, uh, a little nod at the near the start before this all yep. pop before the shit all pops off. So you've got that you've got that that looming tension where you know she can't stay in there for too long. Um, before she's going to need her medicine. Um, uh, Meg is also claustrophobic. You, you find that yeah. out. That's 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 dropped in that in that opening sequence as yeah, well. They kind of drop that for later because like she seems to adapt to that small room really well, very quickly. I uh, uh, yeah. There's there's a lot of little stuff like that in this movie. For all that we've talked about it being you know being really cleverly written. There's there's plenty of there's there's plenty of little things that you can you can pick at things that kind of don't make sense or don't pan out, in in a way that in a way that is logical. Mm. Yeah, and they uh, like they do a really good job of setting stuff up. There's a lot of like, like you say, there's no guns left on the wall. There's there's a shot of a phone going under a bed. You know that the phone's going to come into play. They yeah. get a phone later on. Um, there's a lot of little bits and pieces. I mean, ultimately, uh, I don't want to get sidetrack too much so, hold on we'll come put a pin in it we'll come back to this but so we 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 now have this game in the second act where um burnham who we we learn has spent the last 12 years of his life building these safe rooms um to, to keep assholes like them out um which is a line he has in the film like a, the irony is that i've spent the last 12 years building these things to keep people like us out so there's this game of of them trying to get them out we know that um we know that they need to get in once it's locked from the inside Mm. it more or less is a safe uh there's no there's no coming out so there's Mm. this whole um dynamic of them trying to encourage them to come out or trying to force them out and there's a there's a neat 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 scene where they they figure out they're pumping you know um lpg or or um propane from a from a barbecue grill into the room um so there's there's lots of good there's lots of good stuff like that and ultimately uh there's a moment where they manage to to jury rig a phone they make a phone call to 911 that proves to be um ineffective uh, and they end up calling they, they the, get it, they get put on hold no they get put on hold 911 puts um, them on hold <laughs> um, what is 911 <laughs> It's an emergency. Yeah, All right, just they, they just call chill. the ex. Just chill, just just chill. I'll get back yeah. to you in a moment. <laughs> she clearly, she clearly didn't tell them that she was a white woman in trouble in New York. <laughs> <laughs> if she had just opened with "I'm a white woman on the Upper West Side or the Upper East Side, and there's people in my house," that place would have been swarming with cops <laughs> inside of ten minutes. <laughs> I'm in Harlem. You wouldn't see a cop for days. So. <laughs> Um, anyway, sorry, you were, going some, you were going somewhere with that, with the phone call. Oh, yeah, so they, they, they end up calling the ex, the now ex-partner, and you get an uncredited, you get an uncredited Nicole Kidman cameo as the, the B model. Um, and, uh, and so he turns up at the house, and so he's the bargaining chip they use to get them to come out of the room. Um, and so there's an extra person added to the mix, hmm. the ex-husband um and so that's that's kind of your low point in the third act is mm. um ultimately they're 
their situations are reversed where Jodie Foster is out of the safe room and Dwight and um, Dwight Yoakam and Forrest Whitaker are in the safe room with Case Jew. Um, and Case Jew is, is going into di- is in diabetic shock um, and, and going in, potentially going into a coma. Um, and so Jodie Foster is now trying to get them to come out or to get into the room. Um, and so that's your that's your low point at the end of the second act and the third act is when all these plot threads come together right yeah so yeah yeah and there's there's a, there's a lot of good there's a lot of good tension tension set up so one is the one is the gas bottle like you say um where they're they're trying to they're trying to uh frighten them by pumping this gas in so that they can't breathe um but then jodie foster turns it around she finds a she finds a like a fire lighter and she sticks it down the she sticks down the tube, and she lights the lights the gas on fire, and the bottle blows up. Um, but there's you know that, that'll I describe that in about ten seconds, but that plays that plays out over about ten minutes as it as the as the tension builds up. Will they or won't they? What's what's going to happen? Can they tape it up properly? Um, they're breathing through a little. Yeah, she's there's clearly a never used duct tape before because um, like the solution is clear here. She just didn't use enough duct tape <laughs> always the solution where duct tape is involved i've watched mythbusters have you tried the solution have you tried more, more duct, duct tape, tape. <laughs> <laughs> have you used more duct tape no there's um, your problem and there's, there's there's uh yeah more more kind of moments of tension there like later on the, the police do come around later on they finally get a phone call um due to some other events and they come and they come and check on her house and um at that at that point because her daughter is in the room and is under threat and because the, there's a camera uh she's got to talk to the police at the doorway and she's got to she's got to convince them to go and it, uh, again yeah. that's that that tension is drawn out that scene again takes about a good five or six minutes as the police are um, trying to find Being out, competent. trying to get to the bottom yeah. of, of what's actually going on here. Um, I uh, thought that whole scene was interesting um, because this is this is 2002, and uh, clearly that's post 9/11, and um, it, it's quite interesting for me because cinema changed how the, the, the depiction of cops, especially New York cops, um, between 2001 and 2002. Like, there's a definite line in the sand. Like prior to 2001. Uh, cops are either villains or just you know um, this laughable presence that are completely ineffective and in post 2001 um, they are um, they are treated wildly differently in film and television um, and these cops are are young clean-cut cops um, and they are competent in their job and it turns out later that they're very competent in their job because they see right mm. through Jodie Foster's um, laughable attempts to put them off the trail um, and they are they are really they're really tuned into every little detail and they, they really identify that there's a problem and she can't tell them what the problem is I, I think I always find that kind of interesting um, especially for for New York New York obviously there was 9-11 I'm, I'm almost surprised that this film doesn't have a sainted firefighter turn up in the 11th hour you know descending from 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 the sky um, with a halo around his head, uh, but yeah. Well, I guess that's while we're on this, while we're on the scene, and I, I don't want to spend the like, I don't want to delve too much into the detail and pick apart these little things. But she knows she's been in that panic room. She knows there is no audio. Yeah, she can she tell can them whatever she say wants. Anything she wants, she can straight up say, "There are two guys in a yeah. panic room with my daughter." Why don't she just Upstairs. fucking? Why don't she just fucking tell them? 
They can see yeah. everything that goes on in this house. Yeah. I, I have a problem. There are two people in this house. Please don't react like there's an issue. They can, yeah. They're watching us right now. Yeah. So. Just, fuck, just fucking tell them. Please help me. Yeah. But then again, I guess that's, that's not the point. Um, I guess the point here is to, to let Jodie Foster resolve the issue, right? So jo- in order for the story to, to, to reach its climax, Jodie Foster has to overcome these obstacles and resolve the, the, the issue. Yeah, that's that's true, and she's uh, yeah. She obviously doesn't trust them to do anything in a way that will will not put her put Sarah in more danger. That's right. Yeah, but she could just she's say she, could she, just, she needs to sort this out. She could easily just say, "Just wait outside. Yeah. Just wait here in case something happens. I need to solve this yeah. on my own. You cannot come in." She can say whatever the fuck she wants. They cannot. They. She knows that the dudes in the room cannot hear her. Yeah. She's not even facing the camera. They can't even read her lips. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. But anyway. I don't want to pick pick apart on little things because I think there's there's bigger kind of issues with this movie than than little plot points like that. Um, So over the course of the, over the course of the the plot, um, uh, you find yourself... Forrest Whitaker's his character starts becoming more endearing. He so he gives Sarah the shot to yeah um, saves her life. Saves, so he has a save the cat life. moment. Raul's hand gets caught in the door, um, so yep. he's he's kind of neutralized to a degree. His threat, his his threat is still there, but it is it is neutralized somewhat. And they have to do that because otherwise you you better believe he would just kill Sarah. Um, yeah. Oh, and and the important thing, a, a, a neat issue there was that he was threatening because he's the guy that turned up to what should have been an empty house, but he turns up to an em- what should have been an empty house with a gun, with a with a suppressor on it, and he's wearing body armor mm. uh, and a balaclava. Mm. And so um, I love that trope. Uh, there's a there's a Dane Cook joke about uh, there's always that guy that gets brought along at the eleventh hour. Um, that nobody knows um, that is introduced as being very cool but he's not cool is he and at the flick of a switch he's just like ready to to kill everybody in the room um and so that's dwight yoakam uh, in this and he yeah he's definitely a boy scout he turns up and there's a there's a line about um you know we're not prepared for this and then he he taps he taps the body armor with the gun and to go I'm prepared for this. Why aren't you guys? But um, if, if anything, he's bumbling at the start because he's the one who's trying yeah. to break into the into the panic room through the floor by ba- yeah. <laughs> bashing at the ceiling from the floor below with a sledgehammer. He's he's presented yeah. as he's Tweedled he's Tweedledum to Jared Leto's Tweedledee. Yeah. Tweedledee. It's not until yeah. he actually spoiler alert shoots Jared Leto that yeah. you realise oh that's why this guy's in the movie because because yeah, yeah. he, he's the threat he's the he's the threat and he's the one who's going to raise the stakes he's, yeah he's, absolutely. he's it suddenly becomes a lot more serious at that point yes dwight yoakam gosh he's good he's a country singer he has a he has country sing he has country albums right yeah thank you great. for that little little sidebar yeah. a little bit of you knowledge yeah um so into the movie um she pulls a bit of a switcheroo. So she knocks out all the cameras. Um, while she does. There's a, there's a period where inside the panic room, there is the, the only action is um, Forrest Whitaker breaking into the safe. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. But while he is doing this, once again proving how competent he is. Yeah. While while he is doing this, Jodie Foster is is doing a, a bit of a Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone. Set, that, that's hilarious. That's exactly how I described that scene. Yeah. To um, yeah, preparing yeah. preparing this house, um, knocking out. She's knocking out. She knocks out all the cameras to start with, and then she's knocking. She out, destroys all the lights. Knocking out lights. She, um, she she smashes some mirrors so that there's yeah so that there's glass on the floor. That's not clear why she does that because the only one who's not wearing boots is her own daughter. Yeah, and then but I thought what was funny was that she's barefoot, and so she she breaks the glass. And then uh, there's a there's that scene in um, Die Hard, the, the the sainted film Die Hard, where they shoot out all the glass, and John McClane has to run over this broken glass and ends up cutting his feet up. And um, that's a major plot point. Like that's how you slow Joe, you know, that's how you slow John McClane down by mm. by making him run over glass and fucking his feet up. So Jodie Foster then then smashes all the glass, the mirrors in, in that place, and then she doesn't give a fuck. She just walks across the glass. <laughs> <laughs> she's just so badass at this point. She's just like fuck John McClane. I'm gonna walk over this glass. So John, yeah, I John, thought that was funny. But it's funny. McClane, it's funny you should bitch, describe it. This bitch feet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> get hard but i thought i thought it was funny because when i was watching this film i i I turned around and i said oh she's gone all kevin McAllister on the place and she's and 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 my wife had to go is that the home alone kid and i'm like yep so nailed it nailed it um and it does it does it feels a little bit like it's drifting at that point it's not exactly clear what she's setting up just that just that it's she's setting up something the other thing she does is she um so she's got the gun. The, uh, in in their exchange where they traded places, the gun yeah, she up winds up outside the, the panic room, which is which is the reason that they don't just stroll out. Yeah, um, stroll out again once they've got the money. They have to go holding Sarah as as the hostage. Um, yeah, human what shield. Are they, what do they actually hold to her? Do they have a do they have something they're threatening her with, or are they just kind of holding her? They're just kind of holding her. Oh, uh, she what she what she's doing is she locks all the doors as well so the only mm. way for them to come is to go via a path that she has constructed that's right yeah. so she yeah she knows that they're going to go via this very specific path so and then she sets up her husband who's been beat up um and his arm is broken in a chair where she's taped his arm mm. so that he can hold the gun and the idea is that sh- she sets up an ambush for them so um they have to come down that he can hold the 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 beat up husband can hold them in place with the gun and she comes up from behind with a sledgehammer to and um so that's what she does and so she sets up this trap and that's how the film kind of resolves and she ends up hitting um dwight yokum in the in the head with the sledgehammer and knocks him over the side of the of the banister um and he's fine uh, (laughs) he's fine yeah he's he's totally cool and Forrest Whitaker, at the first opportunity, bolts. He's just out of there. He's got twenty-two million dollars in bearer bonds stuffed into his into his coveralls, and uh, he's gone. And um, so Dwight Yoakam um, ends up crawling up the stairs, um, and it's it's shown that um, shooting from the hip is ineffectual because uh, Jodie Foster's ex-husband, with his broken arm taped to an arm of a chair, can't hit shit. And um, Dwight Yoakam gets into a position where he um, is overpowering, despite having a hand missing a couple of fingers because it's been jammed in the door, um, is overpowering Jodie Foster. 
and uh, in the last and moments, having but and um, he's stabbed in the he's stabbed in the neck. Um, yeah, case you stabs been, him in the neck with her um, with her needles with her with her needles. Yeah, her trio of needles that she's stabbing him with um, ends up ends up viciously punching case you in the face, um, and um, and then the 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 husband can't get out of the chair because he's all taped up to the chair, and then in the final seconds when um, uh, Dwight Yoakum is about to smash Jodie Foster in the face with a sledgehammer, uh, he is shot in the head by a returning Forrest Whitaker who has come back to, to save the day. Yeah, he's, he's so. chosen not to not to run run with the money. He's, come, he's done the heroic thing. He's come back and, and he's, he saves the day. Um, he does. And then he tries to run and then he gets caught. So you get a weird... And at this moment, the cops all turn up. Like yeah. The cops turn up in force. There's like... Yeah, you get a, with, with a, rifles. A bit of a double a double ending where the enemy is overcome and the movie's finished because Jodie Foster's safe, but the, the tense music is still playing because uh, you're not sure if Forrest Whitaker's going to get away, which he doesn't. You kind of want him to cool. get away, which is the weird thing. I mean, okay, so that's the movie in a nutshell, right? But so You want him to get away, but the movie's is, over. That's the... Yeah. Jodie Foster's safe. Done. Yeah. She's the, she's the protagonist. So... so uh, this, the, yeah, so... What's wrong with this film, Mike? <laughs> so, well, well, while we're on the ending, let's talk about the ending, and let, then let's talk about okay. then let's talk about Meg because I think I think it's I think it's it's all wrapped up in those two things. Yeah. Um, ending, ending winds up not satisfying, and um, I think I think it's because so you've the the the, the dynamic shifts. Um, so, Forrest, you wind up on Forrest Whitaker. He winds up a good guy right the dynamic shifts yes. he's he's a bad guy he's been a threatening presence um but he's he's got a heart of gold he's he's only doing it to pay his alimony from uh, presumably his wife is a bitch we don't need to know that because he's forrest whitaker and he's really lovable um yeah so he's, he's only doing this job to pay his alimony and he doesn't want to hurt anybody he thinks he's going to walk away with some dead guy's money and that's and that's going to be fine and so you root for him he's like you say he's a blue collar guy he's got his one shot he's got his one shot to to get rich he's going to pay off all his pay off all his alimony he's going to and he's going to be okay but but fundamentally he's not he's not a bad guy he is the uh you know circumstances brought him to this point yeah he's a victim of circumstance he doesn't want anybody to get hurt and so from the from right from the beginning you're on his side and then over the course of the movie he's more he's more and more on your side as he first um agrees to give this shot to sarah um i mean he's he's protecting the he he protects them right from the gas thing where he just wants to give them a little bit of a little bit of the gas just to make them just to scare them into opening the door and it's only raul who who pumps it on full um so so you know he doesn't want to hurt these people so right from that point he's on you're on his side um and they make that transition and that's 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 still okay and even as they're leaving you're right she she hits roll great burnham runs great fine with fine with that but then he comes back and he just he just shoots the guy he shoots the threat he he steals her he victory he yeah he steals the hero moment yeah she she doesn't she doesn't overcome the final obstacle the final obstacle at the final obstacle she is on the ground and she's about to be get her head stoved in with a sledgehammer 
That's right. So ultimately, although this is a story about about a woman, um, you know, having her home invaded and and protecting her daughter at all costs, she winds yep. up scrambling on the floor, about to get her head caved in, and a man uh, saves the day, like the the woodsman comes in absolutely sh- shoots the and, and kills the big bad wolf and rescues her like she is helpless yeah and she is she is which is kind of weird point. because the entire film up until this point she's been anything but helpless like she she is literally she has been incredibly competent mm. all the way through this film um and that's making I... smart decisions doing doing the active thing never taking a back seat and then um not needing anyone to come to her rescue uh, and in and in the final act, in fact, literally specifically, in the specifically avoiding anybody coming to a rescue, yep. we've said. Yep. Yeah. So that's an issue for me. <laughs> um, and then, and I just, and then I you just, almost I, give Forrest Whitaker like a hero's a hero send off. Like he 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 says something like "You're going to be all right," and then goes to to leave. He peace outs and um he's in the backyard and he can't climb over a fence and the cops are all over the place um and he you know they're telling him to put his hands up and as he puts his hands up the bearer bonds are taken from him and there's 22 million dollars in bearer bonds just flying around in the backyard yeah. someone's gonna wake up the next day and have a fucking fantastic morning yeah. because they're gonna find a couple million dollars in bearer bonds in their backyard but he he so. gets the hero moment he's got his hands up in the air the the, the triumphant shot, the rain's pouring down, the bearer yep. bonds are flying through the air, police are pointing their guns. He's He's got this heroic ending. Yeah. But the movie's not that, about him. He's not, the on, the, not, he's not him. on the poster. <laughs> no, why, it's Jodie Foster. Why finish that? Face, at least. Why not? Oh. And it's... Why does he not throw... Th- why, is he, why does he not come back but aid her, give her the the key thing that she needs to overcome this enemy. the enemy. gun. Yeah, I, ideally, if he could do it and die, in, in a heroic way, so that he gets his yeah. he gets his redemption. Because he's not he's, because that's he's, what, a, that's, he's arrested. That's what's his, missing, his, right? life is, his life is yeah. fucked. He's not redeemed. Yeah, yeah. Well, what's you know uh, we? It's, it's a bit early for what happens tomorrow in this film. But what happens tomorrow is he goes to jail yeah. for a very long time. Of course. No doubt. Yeah. It's shit. He's lucky if he lives out the night. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. A black man in New York in 2002 <laughs> getting arrested by the cops in a white woman's house in the Upper West Side. He is fucked. <laughs> how much how much better would this be? And I know the the outcome is outcome is the same for Burnham's character, but how much better would this movie be if he if he came in if he had if he, he had a choice to get away, but he made the choice to to come in and he died heroically? maybe giving her i mean that might be a bit cliche but but, I mean, but, but giving the, her the 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 tool that she needs the the whether if it's the weapon or if it's just a moment's distraction so that so that so that jodie foster can overcome the overcome the villain herself the obstacle on her own yeah, yeah. but no it's 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 taken away he, he he just completely pulls the rug out from under under her it it feels it feels like this movie needs and and dare i dare i it needs a a brody from point break or a dominic toretto from um fast and the furious moment where uh they're the villain they need he's he's a villain he's an antagonist he needs his 
he, he either needs to be brought to justice or he needs to um, he needs to get away clean and um, in this instance he needed he either needs to die heroically um, proving that he has fully redeemed himself and whatever issue or whatever obstacle he had in his life um, that he was in the situation here tonight mm. he's a victim of circumstance he needed to assert his he needed to assert his authority over his life and either either escape or die um, I mean, could yeah. could he get could could he get away with with like a, a mill, a cool mill, or maybe she could she could literally just say, "Go now, I will tell I I won't I yeah. won't tell them about you." Yeah, he could. Yeah, that's right. He could he could help her overcome the threat, help her overcome Raúl, and get away. Maybe not with any of the money, but maybe with a an item like a, a, yeah. of an item of value that he can either sell or or maybe that he keeps something that he keeps maybe. as a reminder of how close he came to to ruining his life to winding up in jail uh and what um, aren't i better paying alimony and getting to see my daughter hmm. once a month than being in prison for 20 years like because then you could have a sequel you know where it's like panic room too the The, burnham strikes back the basement (laughs) panic room too last time he was breaking in now he's breaking out the the revenge the return of the panic room i just got out of this room (laughs) i'm in this cube (laughs) Uh, yeah I, I, I don't know this yeah end sorry, sorry. Okay, so ending so, num- so number an one issue with there is we've a, got an issue with the protagonist antagonist relationship yeah and it's I, and it's yeah. it's fine right up until that right up until that ending point it's it's fine he's fine he's come around he's you're you're, you're getting more on his side jody foster is a badass but then it's it's just all it's just all they just they drop the ball okay so uh, speaking of Jodie Foster nice segue um so I have issue with the Jodie Foster character from the get-go so uh, for those of you who don't know this film originally had Nicole Kidman in the Jodie Foster role and then for whatever reason uh, I think she had a, a physical injury that was aggravated by the filming or whatever but anyway she dropped out of this film and so the script changed a little bit to accommodate Jodie Foster because originally according to the the IMDB or the the uh, Wikipedia page I was looking at originally the role was all glamour and physicality so that fits so that in the film Jodie Foster is the is the first wife um, of a very very rich older man who's in pharmaceuticals, who has replaced Jodie Foster with a, um, what is described in the film as a B model. So um, so she, she's been replaced by a, a younger, prettier woman, effectively. And um, so interestingly, in the first film, in, with the casting with of Nicole Kidman, this film makes slightly more sense, if you ask me, because... Um, in that film this movie would have been about a woman whose only position in life was gotten by um, basically her looks so Nicole Kidman would have coasted through life being very pretty as Nicole Kidman is and and now she is put in a situation where her physical attributes or her her aesthetic is not going to help her overcome these problems so the 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 arc there is this 
this woman who previously didn't have to do much because people would have done things for her now has to do something for herself and and step up to the challenge in this film with Jodie Foster they changed that obviously because Jodie Foster is a lot more competent she's definitely a lot more physical um, and so they changed this and Jodie Foster becomes this highly competent badass hmm. like at no point is she flummoxed by a situation she she never breaks down she she never um, seemingly has any trouble deciding what to do next uh, she is in control of the situation at all times through this film um, which makes her relationship with the older rich man kind of strange anyway she doesn't strike me as the kind of woman that would would go out to find a rich sugar daddy like that that like i want to know more about that relationship with her ex-husband that's also very weird like my my biggest issue in this film is the character of meg Mm. like how weird is this this woman i want to know what she was doing before um before she became married to a, a rich pharmaceutical giant like, yeah so he's what a, was she doing he's a what 10 years older than her at, least, say, at least he looks he looks 60 and um meg uh jodie foster i don't know how old jodie foster is in this film but she she looks whatever age she is she looks phenomenal she's like what 30 something i don't know she must yeah. be older than that she's got a 12 year old so um or an 11 year old so she She's got to be, let's say, mid mid late thirties at the at yeah. the latest. Yeah, at the yeah. Yeah, you're yeah you're you're right. There's a there's a there's a good age gap there. So at some point she has been she's been uh, she's fallen in love with an older man, um, wealthy older man. It's not clear. Yeah. It's not clear if her background is wealth herself. She's very well spoken and. Um, uh, quite um she's very refined refined thank you that's just the word i was looking for she's she's very refined um she and she doesn't like it's 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 her daughter who says fuck him and fuck her too like yeah she wouldn't say that and and there's they have a swearing thing actually they have a gag where she's trying to tell the um uh the meg is trying to tell the guys to go away over the intercom and she says go away and um sarah says say fuck and so she just switches the intercom again and says fuck <laughs> she says no <laughs> fucking go go the fuck away yeah all oh, right get go, out of my house go the fuck away <laughs> get the fuck out of my house yeah so get to, the fuck out of my she house she has to get instruction yeah. on swearing from her daughter yeah so she presents as somebody like this isn't i don't know the character of meg doesn't present like she's she's come from rural arkansas or something mm. so you know she's dealt with dealt with adversity her entire you know her entire life and then she's presented in new york and landed Mm. a rich a rich older husband she presents as someone yeah she's refined she's well to do but it's not clear what if anything she actually does i don't i mean i i mean i haven't gone through this film line by line but i don't think at any point we get told what if if she had a job what that job was I mean, the obvious the obvious go to in these movies is like, oh, she's ex army or she's ex military of some description. She's she's competent. She's an army of one. But you, they don't do that in this film. No, you you don't get a you don't get a sense that she is she is engaging any sort of military background in the way that she she deals with these um, with these invaders, these home invaders. Um, and and in no. fact, because you, you because you don't know anything about her background, you don't know what she's drawing on at all. What is it meant to no. be? 
is yeah. is this you know uh, repressed kind of um, abilities that she has in becoming a mother she has given up these abilities and now she is she is bringing them back is that what they're going for or or is is know. she is she discovering a primal um, you know uh, is she tapping into something primal and protective and maternal. And it, I don't know. And it, she certainly knows how to hold a gun. Well, it doesn't. Well, we, you don't. You don't find out, and that's that's the problem. And it, uh, we talked about we've done Alien Three on this pro- podcast before, which is obviously the same director. And boy, have we! And it's kind of uh, you, the, you sense that this movie is going for a similar sort of dynamic, where it's uh, there is it's it's tied up when the, there are themes of themes of motherhood and that that protective instinct. Um, mm. but you don't know enough about Meg to know how you're meant to read her response to the situation. She's she's a she's a blank. She's a zero. Mm. She's coming in and kicking ass. Well, what does that she has? What does that mean? Um, she's not sexualized in in the same way as it might have been with Nicole Kidman. There is there is yeah, one Yeah, I think if one, Nicole Kidman had been in this, there would have been lots of lingering shots of Nicole Kidman looking fantastic in whatever she wasn't wearing at the time. There's yeah. only one shot in this where where it's like cuz um Jodie Foster spends a majority of this film in like um pajama bottoms and like a a, a singlet top thing. There's one shot where she's leaning into camera a little bit and it was like it's a bit gratuitous it it seems a little out of place it seems like eye candy for the sake of eye candy Mm. um but yeah you're right if this had been nicole kidman i think there would have been that costuming choice would have been well different she would have had nicole kidman fantastic hair she would have looked she would have looked like a model an older model um not older nicole kidman in this time period is still nicole kidman yeah um but yeah i don't know this the Meg character is so fucking weird, and um, ah, it just it, it bugs me. So my biggest my biggest complaint in this film is the Meg character. Why is she so like maybe maybe there's maybe there's a commentary here about uh, two white guys because you and I are middle aged white guys um, or rapidly approaching middle aged white guys, um, and maybe the, maybe the issue is if the situation had been reversed and it was uh, Jared Leto was in the safe room with his daughter and his wife had run off with a rich older man would we be questioning jared leto's ability to step up to the situation and all he's done in his life is be a a rich rich white guy in new york in in the early 2000s he's an investment banker but now now he's trading the boardroom for the the battlefield of the home front like would we question that as much Maybe, maybe there's a commentary here about maybe i need to check myself because i wouldn't question that if it was a man maybe i don't know but um, it's it's hard to say i think i just i just want i want to navigate it i want a navigating beacon i want to i want to i want something to to hang myself on in this um in this movie to, to know what i what am i watching here if i'm if i'm watching someone who is not equipped for this situation making it up as they go along and doing their best then tell me that i think that's i think that's okay but it's it's never quite it's never quite sold in that way it's not that kind of macgyvery kind of oh i'll you know i'll improvise as best i can with what i've got and just go with my gut go with my instincts um i mean 
I don't know. Do you get that from the so the the scene with the fire, the scene with the gas bottle? She sticks this fire, this lighter down. She, she she they wrap each other in in kind of fire blankets, fire blanket. and she sticks this lighter down and she lights the fire. Yeah, she doesn't really know. It's obvious she doesn't know exactly what's going to happen. Um, she's taking a risk because she sees that that's the that's the last option available to her. She's 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 rolling the dice. She's having a guess, and she's she's going to give it a go and hope for the hope for the best. So I. I guess that's kind of the way they're playing it, but mm. there's, there's, there's not there's, there's not enough of Meg on her own, like figuring figuring stuff out and and struggling with this problem that she's in, where she's not equipped for the situation, but she's going to do her best. She's not kind of trying stuff and then oh that hasn't worked. Maybe I'll try this. Uh, she doesn't make it. She doesn't make enough mistakes. Maybe. Yeah, because everything she does works. Like she pulls the phone line out of the wall, and then she wires that successfully into the back of a of a phone off the wall in the safe room. Like at every point, everything she does works, mm. and it works flawlessly. Like there's no trial and error. She just gets it right the first time, maybe, every time. Maybe that's it. Everything she, everything she does kind of works. Is that does that track? What does she must do something that doesn't work in this movie no no everything she does works she gets out of the room she gets the phone she she successfully manages to yeah no attracts mm. the script's very convenient that way like mm. i don't know but at the same time like the other issue i have with this film and this this is this comes back to forest whitaker i know we i know we spoke about that previously this this film features features the smart character doing the smart thing at the right time and it not only does it do that it does it twice so you have two smart characters doing smart things at the right time and you have that in you have that in the burnham forest whitaker character and you have it in the meg jodie foster character they're both doing smart things and for a little while there this film for me really fires because it's this battle of the wits between them where he's trying to get in she's trying to keep him out He's doing the smart thing. She does the smart thing mm. in response, um, and that's great. Like I love, it, I love smart characters yeah, in films. The cat, the, smart that decisions. kind of cat and mouse. That cat and mouse. Yeah. It's fantastic. And then I punch, love punch, I and, love punch the, and counterpunch. Punch and counterpunch. And I love that flip where um, now they're in the safe room and she's on the outside and she's taken. She's got their. She's got their authority. Their force multiplier and the gun. Um, she's again without any without earning it she's shown to at least know what to do with the gun she's holding it right and she's pointing it at the door waiting for them to come out um and and it's this this whole thing of cat and mouse and it's this it's all really smart but then at the end you don't know who you're really rooting for like you want forest whitaker to get away and have a hero's moment but at the same time she needs to have a hero moment too it's very frustrating and i think he nailed it straight up the ending is the ending with meg is where it all kind of falls apart a little bit for me is it's not satisfying you feel unsatisfied at the end because you need you you either need to kill him or he needs to get away um i don't know 
Other than that, it's, it's a great David Fincher movie, and it looks looks and sounds phenomenal, and everything about it is extraordinarily well put together. Yeah, the, the sus- so. suspense sequences are outstanding. The shot, great. Yes. All of the, the setups are all all work. Yeah, it builds suspense so well. Yeah, it's so well, it's so tight. Um, there's those great shots where they're they're poking around the house at the beginning those long lingering shots of them walking around the outside and coming up the stairs her rolling over it's, and him being at the door yeah, and it's un- all of it's that's uns- fantastic unsettling watching her yeah. in, in in bed uh yeah tr- with these guys trying the to get to sleep yeah. she gets up she goes to the bathroom she you know she just fluffs around trying to get trying to get to sleep and these guys are walking around in her house yeah and forrest Whitaker stops to see the nightlight in the bathroom like all of that is great long yeah. lingering shot of this nightlight um it's so patient it's so it's so well thought out it's so confident oh, i love david fincher he's so good even when he makes a not great movie it's still a great movie and it's still incredibly watchable mm. but mm, I, I really struggle with that main character and I, I really kind of feel like in a different film in a different movie with 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 nicole kidman like the 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 story arc is I, I don't want to say that Jodie Foster is the problem here. She she isn't. She is great. But and I don't want to say that the way to fix this movie is to make the Meg character less competent. Like I don't want to be that guy that's saying, "Oh, what we need here is a prettier B model doing this thing." But I think the arc cuz at no point does Jodie Foster seem to have learned anything either. Like what what has she resolved at the end of this film? Yeah, that's right. She doesn't than, she doesn't have an arc yeah what what does she what has she learned at the end of this film that they don't need a bigger house because there's a line about you know four bedrooms because they're looking for a new apartment because it's that easy for them to just get a new place in new york um and she says what are we going to do with all that space do we need all that space um and like okay so the thing you've learned is that you don't need a four floor townhouse on the upper west side like what the fuck yeah I don't know. you're right she doesn't have a she doesn't have a tragic flaw she doesn't have there's like if she was timid at the start uh and yeah and, if she was frightened was at the beginning over, and she had learned to conquer her fear, fear at the end yes yes yeah. there you go she's got she's changed in some way she's gone through it she's gone through an arc she's been pushed and she has she's she has been up to she's found herself up to the task at the end but she she doesn't have it she doesn't have a flaw at the start she's just She's just an ordinary divorced mother. 30-something 30, 30 single mother on the Upper West Side with money to burn. Pots of, pots of cash. Just yeah. literal trash bags full of cash. Or, if, or if, she was, if, she, if she got a sense that she bought her way out of all her problems, that she used money to solve things. But to, this is a situation where she can't buy herself out of this problem. She needs to use something else. She needs to use her brain. Um, or if she was beautiful and she had always charmed used her beauty to get her, herself out of her problems but now she needs to do well, that, something else that, that's the Nicole Kidman yes. movie right so yes. Nicole Kidman's arc is she's beautiful and she's used her beauty to buy her, to buy herself out of problems and now she can't rely on her aesthetic charm to, to get her out of this issue she has to do something else but at no point does yeah you're right I, I think I think the real problem here is Meg and I think maybe the part of the issue is you've got a bunch of male filmmakers making a movie about a woman in trouble. And there's a lot of wish fulfillment fantasy in that as well. Like she kicks ass and she takes names and then she 
that she throws these working class stiffs out of her house. Um, oh, and how you know, how good and, is it when Raul gets his hand caught in the fucking oh, so in good. the fucking door? <laughs> <laughs> this medicine, there's a, medicine there's a shot guy. of him picking up his his um, his severed fingers as well. Like it's fantastic <laughs> when they finally um, get the door open and he picks up his fingers as that as they're walking out. They got, got Sarah just casually picking Sarah up his fingers. And he picks up his fingers. <laughs> But I don't know. It's it's ah, uh, there's there's issues about yeah, and there's also some issues about like feminism as well, like how this woman's presented and like how, and and is this a feminist film? Uh, it, no, I don't think it is because yeah, although Jodie Foster is very capable, it's it's kind of a cliche. She's a woman trapped, and these men are trying to get at her. It's like ah, oh, well, it's, it's troubling. And maybe that's this troubling. Sorry, I keep interrupting you, but maybe that's why they didn't want to go down the "you're beautiful," so maybe. we're, we're going to, you know, or "you're rich." You know, they didn't want to give her that, but they didn't give her anything else. They didn't give her any unique anything. They didn't replace it with anything. They replaced it with nothing. No, they didn't. We thought, what about what? What if you're just an every every man? What if you're just an, a normal mum? Yeah, but then that doesn't work because who can afford that? Because like, well, so they have to yeah. make her this Jodie Foster rich Upper West Side woman. Um, living on the park, just across the park, um, I've been to the I've been to the Upper West Side. No one normal lives there in a house like that. They're all right, rich as um, as hell. So uh, I struggle. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, I, I think we've we've wrung as much as we can out of this one. Um, should we should we call it? Yeah, I'm gonna say it's I'm gonna say it's wallowing in mediocrity. Ooh. Um, <laughs> Oh, I thought you were. I thought you were going the other way. Um, it's a. Don't get me wrong. Um, it's a. It's a very solid film. It's a. It's a wildly well put together movie uh, with phenomenal performances across the board. I. I love me some Forrest Whitaker. I love Dwight Yoakam. I, I struggle with this movie, and I, if it wasn't for the fact that we're doing it for this podcast, I don't think I would have watched it. You. You can't. You don't walk out of it thinking that was great. That yeah. shit was great. It's, maybe on first, maybe on first review you do. Maybe the first time you watch it, you go, "Oh, that was really good. I enjoyed the hell out of that." But I guess if you if you spend an hour talking about it on a podcast, pulling it to bits and pieces, you come away with a lot of questions, and you're just like, "What the hell? Why?" But it's but it's it's the solvable. This is what I what I don't get. And some scenarios, you know, you, you get a movie and you think, "Well, what else could you do there?" It's just the way it has to be. But these are the imminently solvable. You know, it just smacks of last-minute script changes that they didn't really think all the way through. And I'm sure this is because they replaced... Jodie Foster replaced Nicole Kidman in, in, in this film. I'm sure that in the original version of the script, I think it makes a bit more sense. But I think David Coep and... Coep? Coep? Yeah, Coep and David Fincher, they made last-minute changes to accommodate Jodie Foster... Um, which makes us a wildly different film. And I think that the script probably worked better with Nicole Kidman. And as much as I love Jodie Foster, I think this film, this film works better with a Nicole Kidman type than mm. it does with a Jodie Foster type. And uh, that, um, imagine, like even Sarah, like the character of, of Sarah, she is competent too. I had read somewhere that there was originally, that the, the character of Sarah was originally not meant to be Case Stewart, it was meant to be, and I can never say her name correctly, but it was Hayden Panettiere. 
um, who's in Heroes. She's blonde, very, very pretty and blonde. So you would have had these two characters that were less believable because Jodie Foster is beautiful, but she's like, I'm sure in person Jodie Foster is incredibly beautiful, but on screen she is, she's not what you'd consider your classic yeah. beauty, not like Nicole Kidman. More stately. And stately. Yeah, quite right. You, you see her as a head of state, right? Um, and in the original script, you would have had two pretty girls like Hayden mm. Panettera is, is very pretty I bet you in that version of the script you've got these two beautiful girls who can't coast on their beauty alone and again mm. that's a troubling film for obvious reasons or that's a troubling troubling position for this film to be in for so, obvious reasons no, Nicole, but, Nicole Kidman in fact she made that movie uh, did oh, come yeah we, we did come she made this movie with with Sam Neill and and Billy Zane um, and Philip Noyce um, back in 83 84 and uh, yeah you're quite right she did make this film yeah. on a boat yeah, yeah. okay we should anyway. put a pin on it All i'm right, actually i'm actually right. agreeing i'm agreeing i think it's I th- i've got to call it wallowing as well it is it is great but you you can't say i mean it's um, a conversation point it it, it excels <laughs> <laughs> but as <laughs> but as a movie it has issue yeah but it's yeah, an, i don't it's, know it's, in, it's enjoyable but it it, it drops the ball Drops us, drop, yeah, individual drops mileage may vary. Yeah. Okay, all right. We well, should wrap good. it up. Uh, thank you for listening. Um, uh, like and subscribe. Yeah, y'all. yeah. Uh, share this. Share this with a friend if you got uh, know someone who's into podcasts or into talking shit about movies, or ideally into podcasts where people talk shit about movies. Uh, that's the ultimate cross section yeah, of the, our audience. That's the right? ideal. That's the top. Yeah. If you can, if you can maybe, find one of those. Maybe you like to talk shit about movies, but you don't have friends. Who can talk shit about movies so really you want to be on on with us listening yep. to us talk shit about movies yeah you're perfect that's what the world needs more of <laughs> white guys talking shit about movies yeah um there isn't enough of that <laughs> <laughs> yeah share this share this with a friend um we'll be back hit us up we're on facebook we're on twitter uh verging on greatness look us up um and we will be back next time see you craig See you, Mike.